Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is October the 14th, 2021. I am broadcasting to you, as always, from the west coast of the United States, from the great city of San Francisco. A couple of months ago, Time magazine came out with their iconic, if that's the correct word, uh, a list of 100 most influential people in the world. It's an easy list, of course, to joke about and make fun of, but there's an element of seriousness about it. I guess in the sense that it, it reflects our, our values, it reflects um, perhaps the great debates uh, of the year. Um, Joe Biden, of course, was in it as his uh, vice president, Kamala Harris, uh, Billie Eilish, a uh, symbolic artist, a very popular artist, uh, Prince Harry and Meghan, his wife, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Uh, both, uh, I guess, important people, although I'm not quite sure what they do, but symbolic of, of various kinds of cultural wars going on at the moment. Um, others were interesting. Naomi Osaka, a distinguished tennis player, as well as, again, a, someone who's been embroiled in various kinds of culture wars. Alexei Navalny, the great opponent of, of Putin. Uh, Sherilyn Eiffel, who's been on the show, one of Africa, one of uh, 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 one of the most distinguished commentators on African American issues in the United States. Uh, Shoshai Otani, the baseball player, and Dolly Parton, and Britney Spears. Uh, the list goes on and on. And then there was one character on the list who I have to admit I I hadn't heard of. Um, her name is uh, Dorotia Redai. Uh, she's a Hungarian activist, academic, and she was or is the coordinator uh, of a book in Hungarian, which translates as a fairy tale for all. And I'm thrilled that uh, Dorotia uh, is talking to us now from her home uh, in Budapest in Hungary. Uh, Dorotia, congratulations. Uh, uh, it's a rather belated congratulations, but still, congratulations on your inclusion in the list. Were you surprised? Were you expecting this? Thank you. Um, I was not expecting this. I was contacted about two weeks before the issue came out and and uh, was informed that they want to be, want me to be included on this list. So it was... <laughs> A pleasant surprise or interesting. You are, uh, Dorothea, the coordinator of this book, um, A yeah. Fairy Tale for All, uh, which uh, will come out, I think, in the English language uh, fairly soon. Uh, what I'm encouraged by and excited by, alongside the fact that this is a, a, a political, I guess, or a cultural award in some ways, is it's all about a book. Books were supposed to be out of fashion. Books were supposed to be replaced by smartphones or, or Kindle devices. Uh, the book, Dorothea, not just your book, but all books, they're very much alive, aren't they? They are, they are. And um, 
I guess this book turned into not just a book, but um, more than a book, so to say. So um, it's not just a literary piece uh, for children anymore, but but a political um, symbol, so to say. Right. So talk me through most of our viewers and listeners, um, Dorothea, I don't think will be familiar either with the book or the issues. Uh, I've described you as the coordinator of the book. You're not the author, but you put it together. You're an academic, you're a researcher uh, on, on cultural issues. Um, explain what this, uh, what this book is and, and, and how you did it, why you did it. Okay. Um, besides my academic work, I'm, I'm also an activist in Labris Lesbian Association, which is a Hungarian NGO grassroots organization that has been around since 1999 and uh, among other activities we have a, a school program uh, called getting to know LGBT people and we visit mainly secondary schools which invite us to talk about LGBT people's lives and issues and what uh, young people can do if they experience discrimination based on uh, gender or sexuality and um, <clears throat> so this is mostly for adolescents. And, and uh, some years ago, we started to think about how to reach out to younger uh, children because um, there is a, a social, social political situation in Hungary. Um, it's getting more and more hostile and polarized. And uh, there are always some minority groups that are targeted by the government with, with hatred and so on. And a lot of discrimination and violence uh, is happening and it's getting worse and worse. So this obviously affects uh, children as well. So we thought that there should be a way to, to talk to children about issues of, of diversity and acceptance and social exclusion and all that. And so we thought that the best uh, way to talk to children would be a fairy tale book. And, um, and so we got together to, to think of how, what kind of fairy tale book it could be. And the idea was to, to have uh, rewritten classics, you know, like Cinderella or like Snow White and those kind of, kinds of tales. So most of the tales are rewritten versions of such classics but not all of them some are more original and um and some of the so it's it's 17 tales uh, by 17 different authors and uh half of the authors are kind of amateur or beginner uh, writers and the other half are professionals and acknowledged uh, uh writers and <clears throat> so so we called uh, called out for um, uh, ideas and, and and a lot of people applied and a lot of people a lot of uh, also a lot of professionals said yes and and so that's how the book came together we have an editor who was uh, holding this editing process in hand he's called Boldizer Nagy M. Yeah, we were going to have him on today. the show. Yeah. Unfortunately, he was in Italy. He's in Italy, so he couldn't make yeah, it. But yeah. um, 
So, uh, and was the book, uh, did you find a publisher up front or were you, were you funding it yourselves? Oh, we published it ourselves. We got uh, some uh, funding from, uh, from a private foundation to support this project. So, so we could publish it ourselves. We have published a couple of books before, um, but they were not so uh, successful commercially, I would say. Well, this is remarkable. So, you, so in simple terms, you, you, you commissioned 17 stories retelling traditional fairy tales um, a, a along uh, different sort of culture, gender, s sexual issues for children. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, and then you put the book together and it came out. And um, what happened? Was there a was there a particular moment where an opponent, an opponent got their hands on it and, and made it into a huge issue in Hungary? Yes, there was. There was. I mean, we expected that there will be some uh, protest and action by um, far-right groups who have been following our work, so to say, for the last couple of years, especially our education program they don't like because they think that we are corrupting children and turning them into homosexuals by talking to them about problems of LGBT people. And um, anyway, so we expected some, some reactions from them, but what we didn't expect uh, was how, how big it, it will be, how it will explode. Um, there was a, at a week after the book was published, uh, <clears throat> There was a, a far right, uh, a member of a far right parliamentary party, who who made a media performance of shredding the book, putting the book through a book shredder, and and this uh, really shocked shocked a lot of people. Well, so, the headline I just showed people not watching mm -hmm. suggests that this book shredding was was akin to the Nazi book burning. Do you think there's some yeah, truth exactly. to this? Yeah, I mean, you know, having the history Hungary has, a lot of people are obviously sensitive to to such uh, censoring and destroying of books, uh, both in Nazi times and in communist times as well. And um, so this got all the media attention, this uh, shredding uh, performance and so people, you know, uh, noticed the book and they started to buy it and, uh, and a lot of people started to protest. And then, of course, the government had to uh, got involved as well. And uh, the prime minister announced... Um, Viktor Orban, the infamous, the notorious Viktor Orban was involved as well. What did uh, Orban yeah. say about the book? Orban said that... Uh, but the book was immediately branded to be an LGBT book, which is it is not. Uh, five out of the seventeen tales contain LGBT characters, and but um, so um, everybody considers it to be an LGBT book thanks to the book shredding uh, performance. And Orban said that Hungarians are tolerant with LGBT people, which is not altogether true by the way 
But so in his opinion, Hungarians are tolerant, but there's a red line. They should leave our children alone. That's what he said. And uh, this, this gave um, um, kind of like a new direction to the, the homophobic discourse that started about, you know, about a year earlier by politicians. And, and uh, yeah, I guess we will get there later, but, but this whole child protection discourse really evolved where uh, LGBT people are uh, the monsters and children have to be protected by that. And it, this is a populist move which can, you know, um, call a lot of parents to, you know, to support the government because who wouldn't want to protect their children? Uh, Dorotia, here we have a, the image of a Facebook page in Hungarian on the book. Mm-hmm. What was yeah. the broad reaction within Hungary? Was the book as divisive? Were there as many supporters of the book and your right to publish it as there were opponents? Yes, yes, yes. It Ironically, it became a bestseller um, very quickly and after a year it's still selling very well. How, how many copies did it sell? Uh, we have um, up to now. We have sold about thirty-two thousand copies, which is, which a, is really a lot big, of books. Of, it's uh, a lot of, of uh, uh, books. I mean, it's a small country, and on the children's book market, this is really a, a huge uh, amount. So, and also, it's not not just that that people. Um, a lot of people have bought the book, but but there has been a lot of support that we have received it's it's really the book grew out of grew beyond its uh, covers and and became a symbol for protesting these oppressive and homophobic and discriminatory uh, activities that the government uh, does why well, Dorothy, your your day job is as a, a researcher of this stuff so you know it very well as an academic not just someone who who, who became embroiled in this controversy why is it that these issues incite such rage, such irrational response from conser- or from from some conservatives, not all conservatives, but from a certain kind of new uh, conservative? Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a there's a bigger issue here. There's um social, very uh, visible and fast social change, which includes, uh, involves uh, uh, changes in gender relations and gender roles. And uh, so you can, you can observe a kind of backlash to this, uh, quite a strong, like it's called anti-gender movement, which, which is all over the world. It's not, not only in Hungary, but it's very strong in Hungary and What's specific about Hungary and a few other countries, not all of them, is that that the government is involved in this uh, uh, anti-gender movement, which is a conservative reaction to the equalizing of gender roles, the the more uh, prominent presence of gender and sexual minorities, uh, all that. And so this... this, um, so these political actions against the book are part of this anti-gender uh, movement and, and, and the discourse is 
uh, and also um, in the I, I just read a book about this. I started to get interested academically also in this topic, and um, I just read a book about uh, sex panics, which have been around in politics, you know, since the 19th century, and often in 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 uh, in, in various historical. Uh, periods, politicians have used uh, uh, the threat or, or, or the fear of children um, children losing their innocence and being um, corrupted by, by uh, monstrous adults uh, for various political purposes. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I consider what's happening now is, is, is a populist political movement. Uh, so, uh, so the Hungarian government is really uh, doing a lot of bad things and they don't have much to show as a positive uh, achievements in their politics. So they need, need to secure their voters by, by um, trying to affect their feelings and you know, for people who have children, it's it's a very emotional thing to to protect children. And so, if they put a monster there and they say to parents, like, "This is what you have to protect your children from," uh, then you know it can mobilize. Uh, in a way, this whole incident is like the 18th story in the book, isn't it? It's as if um, <laughs> yeah. the book has yeah. come to life. What 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 was the what's been the response of the authorities of Orban? and right-wing media to the Time Magazine Award? Um, to the Time Magazine Award, nothing. Um, they, are, they are trying to ignore uh, international media, which is supportive of uh, human rights and LGBT causes and, and uh, social equalities, so to say. And all the like the whole liberal media, they are trying to ignore. Um, but uh, to the book, uh, there have been a lot of reactions. We we are now um, having uh, uh, two court cases running uh, against uh, one of the the conservative daily papers, which which are kind of the the representative of governmental uh, opinion. <laughs> Sorry, my dog is barking. I hope you don't. No, don't worry. Doesn't disturb much. Um, what was I saying? Um, oh, you you were saying about uh, a, 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 some. Um, you have a case against some conservative yeah, media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they write really awful stuff about us, so we we sue them sometimes. And now there are two cases like that going on. Is and, the book uh, being translated? Uh, I know, I know there were. You mentioned earlier. You mentioned to me beforehand that um, that there's going to be an English language version of the book. Yes, um, but not only English. Um, the Dutch edition was the first one. It came out last week. So always the Dutch and... leading, Dorothea, when it comes to the to, to uh, interesting books like yours. I was uh, I was in in Amsterdam for the book launch and I was talking to some local um, people and and they said that that Dutch children also need such books so so besides all the 
you know, tolerance and acceptance and gay friendliness, uh, which is mainly concentrated in the capital, uh, there's lots, also lots of uh, homophobic, transphobic uh, activity and violence also in the Netherlands. So it's everywhere. Um, and the polarization of societies is not right. just in Hungary, it's happening elsewhere. I mentioned earlier that your your day job is as a researcher at the Central European University. I actually was about three or four years ago. I came to the university when it was in Budapest to um, mm -hmm. interview your rector, Michael Ignatiev, the yeah. Canadian historian, political theorist. Um, and uh, the university has itself become uh, a political football between uh, Orban and uh, progressives. Uh, it's been thrown out of the country, is that correct? Yes, yes. Um, and uh, uh, Orban says that, um, that they're not throwing them out. They're, 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 I'm quoting from Hungary today, uh, that this was not the truth. But what has actually happened with the Central University? Uh, in its closing in Budapest and its relocation to Vienna. Why is this important and what's the truth behind it? Uh, the two, truth is that it was thrown out of the country. I don't know why Orban is saying that it wasn't. Um, the, um, the legal excuse was, was that, um, I don't know, they made the law that rest, retrospectively made the functioning of the university impossible because it's a double institution in a sense that it has a, it gives American and Hungarian degrees as well. So for the Hungarian accredited uh, master programs and PhD programs, uh, you get both a Hungarian degree and, a, and an American accredited degree. And they said that this is not, not a good legal solution for some reason, but that was just an excuse. The real issue is that this university uh, is a home of critical thinking and, um, you know, criticizing uh, power abuse of governments. And, and it teaches uh, young uh, scholars to, you know, to, to, to think reflexively and analyze things. And, and of questions. course, it's the brainchild of the uh, philanthropist uh, George Soros, yes, uh, a Hungarian yes. emigre, a Jew. Um, yeah. To what extent is the Hungarian government's hostility to the CEU? Is it because of Soros or because it, is it because of the work of, of researchers like yourself? Uh, well, the excuse is Soros. Um, he was also turned into a constructed into this demonic figure who who uh, is said to by the government the government says that he is manipulating like the whole world and wants to uh, establish open society which means um, that uh, Muslims would be moved over into europe so it's it's you know it's a, a lot of things are entangled here so it's in, in a funny kind of way the right are writing their own um children's story turning george soros this 90 year old man into a into a monster yeah 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 so it's all these things coming together you know uh, anti um 
migrants, anti-Muslims, anti-gender. So um, it's a whole package of of things. And and um, of course, because CU had a, a gender studies department, that that was also impacted because. Um, they also banned uh, gender studies in Hungary, gender studies master programs in Hungary in the year after uh, uh, kicking out CU. So it was in 2018 that they banned gender studies education. Uh, and yeah, so what I was saying, like, so CU cannot provide um, degree uh, degree education in Hungary anymore because that's how they changed the law so that CU will not be able to give Hungarian degrees anymore and that's why it had to leave. And uh, what Orbán and his followers are trying to say is that of course uh, CU didn't take the buildings you know brick by brick to Vienna so the buildings are still there and things are happening in those buildings but not education so the library it's a beautiful is still building there. Uh, yeah. I was it's, it's a, a memorable building, building in the middle of Budapest beautiful yeah. beautifully restored old building yeah, yeah. so yeah and also there's a, a absolutely high super tech new building attached to the old building, which yeah. was built just a year or two before CU was chased away. Uh, anyway, so the library is still there and, and the research institutes are still there and the open society archives are still there in Budapest because these are not, edu uh, not providing uh, education, so they didn't have to move. Uh, there have been a series of articles about Hungary in the, uh, the Western press. There was a piece about in the New Yorker in August, a couple of months ago, just before your Time magazine award by Isaac uh, Chotner. Why conservatives around the world have embraced uh, Hungary's uh, Viktor Orban, suggesting that he's become a hero, the right-wing television uh, figure, Tucker Carlson, who some people believe will run mm -hmm. for run for president next time around might even uh, be a, 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 a more youthful modern version of Donald Trump visited mm -hmm. Hungary. Um, uh, uh, the, the, the conservative New York Times columnist uh, Ross Duthat uh, wrote a piece recently, why Hungary, Hungary inspires so much fear and fascination. Is this justified? Are we turning, we in the West, are we turning Hungary again into a a kind of mythological stage? Uh, is it is Hungary becoming our own children's story? Or is Orban really significant? Mm. Uh, he is significant in the sense that he is uh, constructing an authoritarian regime, which uh, my generation and older people who <clears throat> were living in state socialism we're happy to leave behind, and now it's it's uh, really scary to experience the same things happening again. You know, all the repression and censorship, and uh, reducing rights, and uh, and meanwhile the whole system is totally corrupt. So um, they are they are taking uh, away the, the the wealth of the country for themselves. Uh, 
like they privatized uh, un public universities recently uh, and nominated themselves and uh, their fellows into <clears throat> to boards of these uh, uh, boards of these foundations that are managing universities and that's how they are um, taking control of all the state money that goes into higher education where did Orban learn his playbook of course he was originally began as a dissident he even was supported I think by George Soros when he studied at Oxford University yeah. did he learn it from Putin from Erzhagen from um, or, or is he the original model of this kind of media savvy new kind of right wing authoritarianism? I think that <clears throat> so we can see um, that Orban's alliances are changing. So he's more and more uh, friendly with all these authoritarian uh, leaders all around the world, including China and Russia and Turkey and you know brazil and all these powers um philippines and uh, think, maria ressa yeah, who yeah. just got the nobel prize for peace uh she's been on the show she's a very brave critic of mm. her of duterte just as, as as you're doing the same in hungary mm -hmm. yeah so they are i think learning from each other and, and um, they are in probably good conversation about what they should do the, the Hungarian uh, homophobia law that was introduced this June. It was it, it, it's a, almost a copy of the Russian one that that was uh, introduced in 2013, I think. Has he yeah, uh, dismantled democracy? There's an election coming up in 2022 uh, in Hungary next year. The opposition parties are uniting, but has does democracy still exist in Hungary? Uh, I wouldn't call it a democracy anymore. I mean, yeah, you can say that elections are free, but they are not really free because um, um, the the so Orban has two thirds majority in the parliament, and they can change any law. And they did change the election law after they their first uh, winning in 2010. So in 2014 already there was this modified law which gives them a disproportionate amount of power um, seats in the parliament based on the number of votes they get. So it's almost impossible for anybody else to win. And, and they, they are uh, changing this law all the time. So we can even expect further changes before the elections to, to, to make sure that they, they remain in power. It may not happen, but there's a good chance that they can because they, they, they manipulated the election laws. Um, it doesn't, and you know, it, it doesn't feel like a democracy. It's, um, the, the atmosphere is really bad. Um, people are very frustrated. Uh, for example, uh, going back to our book uh, and 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 uh, this homophobic law that they introduced, uh, it made people feel entitled to inflict violence on people they consider gay. Or, for example, a few weeks ago there was a case when uh, one of uh, in a smaller town. Uh, the library had the book 
and somebody complained to a local politician who went to the library and told the librarian to take the book off the shelf. So it's, you know, this kind of policing uh, each other and this vigilantism, or if that's the right word, you know, like watching over everybody and reporting them and so on. This, this just started again, like overnight after the law was introduced. And this was uh, what was happening in the darkest times of communism, and now yeah. it's back. So it doesn't feel like a democracy anymore, even though, you know, there, there are, and, and the whole system of checks and balances, democratic checks and balances, it, they are overthrown. You can't, you can't call it a democracy. Dorothea, uh, D- D- the, uh, the, the American conservative writer, anti-Trump writer David Frum had a, uh, a tweet out recently said, I visited Hungary in 2016. Uh, again and again, I witnessed the gesture I thought it would vanish from Europe forever. People turning their heads to check who was listening before they leant forward to whisper what they had to say. As increasingly, it seems an atmosphere of violence. Even yeah. that sort of violence seems to be exported this week to the United Kingdom when Hungarian mm-hmm. nationalist ultras yeah. fought the police at a football match. How unpleasant is day-to-day life now in Budapest? You're talking to me from your home there. It's very unpleasant. I mean, I live up in the hills at the edge of town, where it's very quiet and very green and lovely, so I can, you know, uh, escape here. But if I just go to town, you know, and see people and talk to people, you can feel this uh, fearful, negative uh, atmosphere it's it's bad. It feels bad, really. What can we do in uh, uh, most of the audience, uh, Dorothea, will not be a Hungarian audience. We will, of course, uh, read your book, A Fairy Tale for all, for, for all, for Everyone, when it comes out in the English language. What else can we do to support what you're doing, fighting for tolerance and justice in Hungary? Mm, that's a good question that a lot of people ask, and we appreciate. It's difficult to to answer what would be helpful because um, what's happening now is that every support that Hungary gets from abroad, you know, be it the European Union or, you know, uh, liberal uh, newspapers from the US or Western Europe, you know, or support from organizations, they, uh, they are very important for us but at the same time, they strengthen the narrative of Orban, who says that, you know, Hungary, one, Hungary will be demolished by this Western, this decaying Western power. It's the same talk as in state socialism. So the decaying Western powers are united to damage Hungary, and he he is the he is the one who can protect Hungary from that. So whenever like. Um, when the homophobic law was introduced, the European Union uh, uh, finally started to act uh, in a more uh, like determined <laughs> manner than before, and and that that just strengthened this narrative that the EU is attacking us and and Fidesz and Orbán will protect us from this attack. 
so it's it's really hard to we, we don't really know what kind of help would be <laughs> what would be really helpful i mean but the support is still important so. well doratia it's a real honor to talk to you uh i was thrilled to have the opportunity to talk to you and to learn about this book uh Affair, um, uh, that, that, that you've uh, coordinated um, uh, a fairy tale for all. It's great that uh, you're getting this attention, uh, uh, and I really appreciate the time you've spent talking to me. And I also uh, uh, really respect, just like my my friend Maria Ressa in the Philippines, we need people like you to stand up to the intolerance that seems to be becoming. Uh, more and more troubling around the world. So, so keep it up, keep fighting, keep talking, and I'd love to have you back on the show again in the not too distant future to talk more about the the broad lessons of what's happening in Hungary. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. Thank you.